Blaine and Mickey, what's going on Thursday? It's basically the weekend right now. So uh, enjoy yourself today. Next two hours, we're going to be hanging out with you. We're going to have – it's funny. I always think this guy played forever. It seemed like he did. He had a really quick career, but he had a great one with the Seahawks, Lofa Tatupu. Oh, yeah, yeah. I let you say that. Tatupu. Who was a fantastic Tatupu. linebacker for the Seahawks. He's going to join us here in about 20 minutes to talk about Seattle. Boy, they came out of the gate like gangbusters against Ooh. the Colts. Ooh, I watched that game too today. Okay. Ooh, okay. Ooh, Did they just manhandle the Colts? Because that's, that's well, what it sounded like. Well, okay. They did. Most of the times, but more percentage toward them, I would say 65% of the time up front, which was shocking, especially defensively. I thought, you know, I think Indianapolis Colts' offensive line is pretty good. And they got after him. I don't know. Man, ooh. Carson Wentz was taking a shot. Hey, by the way, all those naysayers that talk about Carson Wentz, he actually played pretty solid considering how much pressure and everything else was involved in that game. Yeah. Uh-huh, so... Yeah, that, he looked he looked pretty good to me. <laughs> Russell Wilson just looked like, you know, that's why I'm one of the best to do it in this era. Uh, so he always gets underestimated, but he played phenomenal uh, in that game. And, uh, you know, they're one in the, uh, <laughs> you know, the McVay-style offense, another, you know, guy they pulled from uh, that staff. And uh, now they seem like they're on the same page. But it was just one game. But they, the physicality was there. Uh, Daryl Taylor from uh, UT was out there. I know yeah. last year he was a little banged up, and he played his last year at UT, you know, with a high ankle sprain, so he wouldn't you know, get their full sense of how good he could be. He, he was impressive. Their D-line was impressive. They were doing a lot of five-man front, too. That's the Colts. They were, they were humming. Uh, yeah, Jamal Adams was doing his thing, too. And I, I thought, you know, you know, just reading all the articles, they were like, oh, well, they didn't use him. He kept play deep. Well, he still was somewhat of a factor. He was still all over the place. They just they just contained him a little bit because they, they, they got ahead, you know. But the coach drove right down and got a, a field goal or a touchdown right off the bat. Right there, opening drive was, yeah. I guess, pretty good. Some of the best football they played all day. Yeah, yeah so, yeah, this, this Seahawks team is uh, it's going to be a huge one. But I wouldn't be shocked if the Titans came out there and played them close to the vest all the way through. All the way, especially with that atmosphere. Home opener. The pressure's on the Seahawks. Guess what? If That's what the NFL is all about. How do you respond after you got busted in the mouth and, and looked horrible? So one thing we do know is they're not going to look like, like if they look like they did against uh, Arizona, oh, that's, that's going to be some heads rolling real quick. Yeah, and that's a long flight back. Uh-oh. It's going to be a lot of discussions if they come out there and lay an egg again. And it won't be good. Somebody, somebody's, yeah, it's a, I wouldn't be shocked if something crazy happened, like somebody got cut. Yeah, they they look like they did versus, yeah, that somebody will get cut. A name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that means that those star-studded players is making the big dough. Somebody's not living up to the billing. Don't happen two weeks in a row. Not like that. I think people have kind of taken a breath over the course of the week. Just about, it's just one game. It just happened to be the first game. There was all this hype. This was mm-hmm. the first game. It seems like everybody has a game during some season where they just, somebody just shows up and they just whip you like the Titans did to the Bills last year. Oh, it, it happened was, through my career. I mean, yeah. every year you, you're always going to have a stinker. You just don't have wanted to be the first game. First of the game. That, that, that usually doesn't happen. Like, not to good teams, which I think this is a good team. 
I think the Titans have a really good team. Like, yeah, it could be a, a con- Super Bowl contending type team in a you know the AFC, which I think is really really tough. Uh, the you know the top tier teams. Well, I go back to the the year and a half basically that Wisenhunt was the coach. Remember, he won both of his openers when he had a whole year to prepare for somebody. He was undefeated, and the second year they beat the brakes off the Buccaneers, and he never won another game. They beat him like forty two to fourteen. So, both of those years. Titans fans are probably super excited after the first game, and then we know how those seasons ended. Not it good. is just one game, but with the expectations and then how they got beat, I think that's more concerning. This is nothing to do. Everybody's pissed off, you know, organization, coaches. But at the end of the day, this one here, I mean, I've been saying and leaning on it, coaches, everybody's involved. Ultimately, the players on the field got punched. Yep. I mean, man, and they, they, they didn't punch back to, <laughs> long enough. So that it was on the players all day long. I mean, they they got beat in the trenches up front majority of the game, and uh, they didn't have a response. And if you don't take that personal, you can do it however you want to do it in the National Football League. They disrespected the Arizona Cardinals, disrespected your entire team. If you're a leader on the team, you're going on sitting at lunch talking to different guys, ask them, "Hey man, I'm hearing around the league." They disrespect us. They ain't respect Tannehill. They ain't respect the offensive line. Yep. They think Lawan is soft. Yeah, that that's 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 what's going on. That's, that's what people are saying. Nah, uh-uh. Mm-mm. Is you know, <laughs> the competitive nature, which is dangerous in the National Football League, is cancerous in a, in a way that can be really dangerous on game day. So you tried to ignite that thing all the way through the middle of the week after. You know, all the way to the end, to the next game. Mm-hmm. That's just some of the most competitive people alive. And so you want to see how they respond. You're gonna, it's going to be a gut punch, and, and the leaders and everybody else on the team, they're like, hey, man, it ain't like that no more. I don't want to see all the jumping around, getting all, oh, talking that crap. Mm-mm. I'm all about them actions. Stop all that. So, you know, LaJuan was talking about he got two juice and all that. You know, that didn't sound real good to me. It, 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 you know, today, I think on Jim Wyatt's uh, Twitter handle, I think Lucas has that. I, I, I didn't, I, you know, as much as all of that might have been true, you can't say it. Yeah. It was no different than Jamar Chase in preseason for the Bengals, the wide receiver saying that the ball is bigger in the NFL and it doesn't have white stripes on it. You know, so, you know, that's why I'm having drops. Right. That probably all is true. But I don't want to hear that. You're getting paid millions of dollars. Catch the freaking ball. I don't care if it's a tennis ball, a golf ball, a football. Catch it. Don't give me no excuses. And that's what, you know, that's what LaJuan sounded like. I don't want to hear that. On my knee. Nobody care about that. You was out there. You better sleeve it up, put some icy hot on that thing, and put it on fire and let rock and roll. Let's go. Mm-mm, or what? Now they got all this, you know, they could put all this stretch stuff to keep you, you know, your stuff warmed up, you know. Hey, man, you got to do what you got to You got to figure it out. Don't let that happen again. Because if, if they don't do that, then they need to do two tight ends. And guess what that means? You won't be on team next year because you're getting paid a lot of money to go one-on-one versus the elite pass rushers. Right. You're getting paid so there's not a tight end over on your side, ever. Yeah. Right. We, we need two tight ends the way that look. Yeah. Rob in Nashville is hearing this. He wants to join the discussion on the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline. What's up, Rob? Thanks for calling Blaine and Mickey. 
Hey, hey, what's up, guys? Thank y'all for taking my call. Yeah, man. Uh, just listening to you guys and everything about, you know, the Titans and everything. You know, um, you know, for anybody saying that, you know, that was that was just a game, well, they, they right in, in a sense. But, you know, how bad that the Titans got beat, I mean, to me <laughs> – that's just, I mean, that that looks so terrible. And uh, and uh, first game too. Uh, so I think people just really in that uproar, and they got a right to be because those are household names on the Titans team. I mean, we, they used to get generic people. <laughs> now they they went from cornflakes to Kellogg's. Now, so hey, it's no excuse no more. I mean. We got the big top name guys out there. So, you know, if they don't win this week here, you know, uh, it, it might won't be too bad. But they, if they get blown out, I mean, they gonna they gonna have they gonna have a real high hill to climb. And you know, not to not to say, you know, they gonna have to carry the name Powder Puff Team like you know they used to call them Powder Puff Blue. So they just gonna have to eat that. Thank you, guys. Oh. Generic, <laughs> that, that generic people. Yeah, well, anyway, <laughs> cornflakes. You know, so that, was, that was really good. Though. Oh man, that was yeah. a fantastic. Yeah, they, call, <laughs> hey, they they better unleash. And when I say unleash, you know, there's a lot of different phrases. Whatever you know, you need to get going. But that eye, that tiger, that thing better be unleashed. And you know, that doesn't mean you're gonna win. I mean, then you you better say, hey man, when they get off that field, they go say, hey man, that Titan team. That was a heck of a battle. Win, lose, or draw. Can't walk away looking like how they looked this last game. No way, no how. It's personal now. Nah. We not. We, we can't play that. Well, one thing is, you're on the road. I, I've heard you talk about this some Kevin Dyson, too. It's, it's no distractions. It's only the team. You're off by yourselves, and you're going to be however many thousand miles away. I mean, Seattle's about as far as you can get from Nashville and still play NFL game in the United States. You're a long way from home. I mean, hopefully that is a focusing thing for this team because it, those fans hadn't been in that stadium for a year, I don't think. It is going to be like a jet air, airplane engine out there. And you've talked about it before. I said it's the loudest outdoor stadium. I, play. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I, I couldn't hear the guy right next to me. And he's yelling. Yep. I'm like, man, I, uh, we can't even hear sitting on the bench. I mean, it, was, it was just, yeah, that, this is, this is going to be an interesting one. It's going to be, it's definitely going to, you know, this is adversity at its highest right here. Yep. Because the odds are against them. That's why I'm saying you got to go out here and you got to look how you're supposed to look. Win, lose, or draw. Then you can move forward and say, okay, we, had, we, we left one get away. We got our butts kicked. And then we, you win, lose, or draw this next game. We're fine. Now we know where we need to be. Maybe that game, maybe the first game was more preseason-ish for some yep. of those guys yep. because they hadn't played in a game. Some of them. Mm-hmm. Whether they were available or not, uh, they hadn't played. And, you know, COVID, too. So, you know, uh, as an athlete, you can never talk about excuses of why you played the way you played. You just can't do it. And it's funny, you know, I kind of learned that as a player. Because I'm up here talking to different players and teammates. Ah, man, you got a little ankle sprain, you know. You can play. You about 85. (laughs) Somebody wrote, hey, man, you, you... you be you be eighty five percent going out there against A B. One on one. Nobody talking about my ankle taped and I got extra tape on there. So 
Yeah, man. <laughs> so, so hey, I brought up one day, you know, well, you know, that guy was only 70% or whatever. And you're like, no, no, stop, stop. Yeah. If you suit up, then you said, I'm good to go. I'm good to go. If you put on the uniform and you went out there, <laughs> nobody cares. Yeah. If your leg was broke. Yeah. Hey, man, sorry. You suited up. Yeah. You got to eat whatever sandwich you get served out there because you, you put the uniform on and played. Can't have sympathy. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to give you a good example. I tore my meniscus. Mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, I got surgery. I couldn't practice. My knee swole up every week. Didn't practice all week. Sat in the chair outside of the practice. Yeah. That's what. A drain my knee on game day, and then I play. Whether I play good, bad, or different, nobody. I, I'm not gonna sit and say, "Hey, man, I got part of my meniscus missing, and you know it swelled up on that one play, and it was swollen the whole time, even though I had a knee sleeve on it, and it just today it got locked up, and it just I didn't go well." Yeah. You never heard that from me. No. Nah, once you dress up and suit out, all bets are off. Nope. No can do. So stop that. Nobody cares. You're making millions of dollars. Nobody, you know, nobody cares about that. If a time you're supposed to, as, as much as everybody deceives the media anyway in their conversations from coach to player, this is a time you're supposed to do that. Yeah. No, I, I just stunk it up. I didn't play well. Right. And you don't want to give a tip to another team anyway. Oh, my knee was that. Well, I'm going to test your knee out then. I might go dive right at your ankle and make you think I'm going to hit your knee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then, you know, so don't, don't make up excuses. Sorry, even though they're true. Don't do it. So we'll play Lawan when we come back. We got Lofa Tatupu also. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, we should play it for him and see what he thinks about that. <laughs> He's going to give a response like you did. We'll get to that next for sure. Uh, Lofa Tatupu, former Seattle Seahawks, uh, three-time Pro Bowler, set to join us next. We'll talk Titans and Seahawks on Blaine and Mickey. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Uh, our next guest, love watching this guy play. Lofa Tatupu was a, a great player in college at USC. He might have some thoughts on who the next coach should be. Mm. Also a great player for the Seahawks. Lofa, man, thanks for spending some time with us today. Hey, fellas, appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Hey, before we get started, I I, I caught the latest. You do the, uh, you're on the Believe Podcast Network doing great work out there covering the Seahawks. Um, I know your dad was a great Patriot, Mosey, and I'm old enough, very old oh, enough yeah. to, re- to remember watching him play. I was a big fan of him. I just loved how he played and how he hustled. And he had a cool name, and he looked cool. And I know Sam <laughs> Bam Cunningham was his teammate, was a very important guy in your life, a fellow Trojan. Uh, my condolences, because I know you talked about that on the show this week. Uh, Sam oh, Bam man. was, was yeah. Sam it, Bam you know, changed the face yeah. of college football, Lofa, and I know you talked about it. Oh yeah, he changed the the face of college football. He um, he changed several lives off the field, which was really how he impacted me. When I went out to Southern Cal, I grew up in Massachusetts because my dad played for New England. I didn't know anybody out there, but my dad slid me a number. My mom said, "Yo, you need anything? Just hit him up, even just to watch football." Because I was I was five hours north of them with traffic, you know. So I I didn't go home very often, but Sam would come watch football with me on campus. Um, he was just, he was a, a uncle, a father figure, everything. And, uh, I love Sam Bam. Well, uh, again, condolences. I know he was important to you, but let's talk some football. Let's look ahead to, uh, this game. But before we do, my gosh, uh, your team, the Seahawks played one heck of a complete game on Sunday, right out of the gate. Oh, it was the most incredible early week or first month performance I've seen out of a Pete Carroll led team. 
And uh, we've seen, you know, a lot of good teams pass through there, right? So um, every phase, offense, defense, special teams came to play. Uh, particularly impressed because, you know, it's a road game, an early start, and uh, they really just found a way. Uh, they cracked a, a formula that, that we had trouble with back in uh, back in our early 2000s. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, absolutely. Lofa Tatupu, our guest here. You can follow him at Lofa Tatupu 51 on Twitter. Well, I know uh, Lofa that, uh, that Pete Carroll's birthday was sometime. I don't know how old he is now, but he sure seems old. He, yeah, he's still kicking it, man. <laughs> but maybe that was an early birthday gift there from beating the Colts the way that they did, man. Have they talked about, you know, what's the recipe to, to looking so good and, and so healthy and running around like he's a young, you know, whippersnapper coach, uh, Pete Carroll? Yeah, I man, I thought he had a lot of energy when he was 50 back with me at SP, but the guys, the, the coach – the coach version of Benjamin Button. He's just age in reverse. <laughs> um, I, you know, I've been trying to give him some of my zone in CBD. I don't know if he's taking it, but maybe that could help him. <laughs> it's what's got me back to peak performance. But uh, no, nah, his, uh, his, his, you know, competitive spirit is incredible. I'm talking up there with the ranks, the like of Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, Kobe, like all the greats. They, they hate losing coin tosses. They hate losing, you know, um, uh, yeah, just any Rochambeau, box paper scissors. Like Pete would get pissed off if he if he uh-huh. lost, you know, uh, a game of that. So it's a special thing when that transforms over into the players and uh, and they take the ownership of the team upon themselves. Well, naturally, uh, Lofa, uh, you know, the the Titans got shellacked, and and a lot of the players, at least offensively, didn't play very much, if at all, in preseason. I just mm-hmm. want to ask you guys. I know every team is so different. But did uh, did your guys, uh, did the Seahawks offense and defense uh, starters play in the preseason? And if they did, how much or, or, you know, did they play at all? No, that was our primary concern, you know, on our podcast. It's like, well, we don't know how good this new offense of Shane Waldron is because we haven't seen Russ or any of the guys out there. And um, I don't know, but defensively, I'll say that playing all those young guys and, and the, the non-starters, it really looked good for us in the, in the opening game because – I'm telling you, I don't know if we've ever had a D-line as deep as this. Maybe maybe that 13, 2013 Super Bowl champion team. Oh. But it's incredible. They just kept reloading and getting after Carson Wentz in that Colts offense. Well, speaking of the D-line, I guess tell us a little bit about uh, Taylor who went to UT so we know a little bit about him and kind of his impact here uh, You know, going into his second season. He's had the best camp. He's an athletic freak of nature. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, great in space. And, you know, it's rare for a kid that primarily rushes, you know, uh, the quarterback to, to operate in space the way he does. But that's why they took him so high. And, unfortunately, he had the uh, injury last year. But he's come back. He's looked apart. Um, and, man, he could, he could do it all. It's incredible. Well, I, you know, I don't watch Russell Wilson all the time. I, I respect his game. He's one of the best to do it, uh, but man, it just seemed like he was playing with a lot more emotion after he threw some of these these uh, you know touchdowns, and he was just yeah. pumping the ground. And I was like, man, he looks like he's on a mission. He's kind of always stoic and kind of under control. You know, he gives a fist pump, like you know, just right there, kind of the Tiger Wood type. But he was pumping yeah. it to the ground. I thought he was gonna you know uh, get injured pumping uh, pumping his fist like that. Uh, do you think he's on a mission this season? I I think you hit it on the head right there because I've never seen a Russell Wilson celebrate almost i mean you know he expects to throw the perfect pass he expects because that's how hard he was but i've never seen him have that kind of emotion and so it it feel like it just it means a little more and i mean i think going into his 10th season realizing that you know even if he plays 20 years he's on the back half of the season of his of his career so um i don't know i think it's just it was something special to see him get that excited because 
the team feeds off of him, man. As three as number three goes, the rest of the team goes. It seems like it's a perfect match with Shane Waldron and him as the OC and running this offense. Kind of take us through why this offense it fits with Russell Wilson's skill set and the Seahawks offense running, you know, running the football and, and you know the Sean McVay style of offense. I mean, you know, they really had the running game going, which was a primary uh, point of emphasis for uh, for Pete in the offseason when he was looking for a new coordinator. And um, I know that's really what they wanted to get back to because then it just opens up everything else for Russell. And um, especially with Russ's athleticism, I don't think Walden's ever had a guy like that. So now the playbook's even more broadened or widened for, for, uh, for both of them. But the play action was hitting because Chris Carson and the O-line, they were just they were given just a little bit of space. He's one of the guys that can create on his own, very rare. Uh, he doesn't need much to, to get going. And, um, and then it just it, it all gelled perfectly. Mm. Well, with uh, Lofa Tututu, uh, former NFL three-time Pro Bowl middle linebacker for Seattle Seahawks. Lofa, Tyler Lockett is one of those guys. I think he was underestimated for so long. People don't even know how to estimate oh, him any, anymore. He <laughs> came into league as a spectacular special teamer, and he's that rare little dude who can pretty much do everything, including just run right past you. <laughs> you know, every it seems like every couple of years or, you know, so we get a guy who is just so phenomenal. I mean, and just in, in the not in the spotlight. I mean, we think back to the rush of Cliff Averill, who I think he had he led the league in active force fumbles with like 32 in this time here. And then you go to K.J. Wright, who, I mean, 130-plus tackles every year, sacks, interceptions, everything. But for some reason, they just – the spotlight's not big enough for everybody, right? And uh, Tyler Lockett is one of the most incredible football players instinctually I've ever seen. His spatial awareness, knowing where the defender is, even if he has his back turned to them and his eyes on the quarterback, the timing of coming back to the ball, catching it with his hands, not his body. And like that last, that first touchdown pass, the first play uh, pass of the season, the Willie Mays-esque catch, he looks over one shoulder, yeah. the ball floats to the right. He doesn't turn his head, he just looks backwards. And it's like, he makes it look so routine that I think people thought it just really wasn't that hard of a catch. But I mean, tell me, if you, you go out in the backyard, you, you video yourself trying to do that a couple times, it's going to take you more than once to catch that ball. Well, and you know, you mentioned the running back Carson, and I asked you about Tyler Lockett. Heck, we hadn't even gotten into DK Metcalf yet. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, freak of nature. I mean... It's um, the only reason he didn't get drafted in the top ten was because he didn't he didn't make it through all all three seasons or four seasons healthy. But the guy's unbelievable. They love him in the locker room. Um, I mean, he has sprint uh, Olympic speed, right? I mean, we saw him go out there for the trials. So it's um, and then we haven't even talked about Gerald Everett, who I thought looked spectacular too. Uh, yep. new acquisition. Mm-hmm. So there's no shortage of weapons here, and um, it's just gonna it's gonna be fun to watch how this continues to develop. I love Everett uh, as a, a tight end, very athletic, uh, loafer. But man, DK Metcalf, give us a little backdrop on what is he like outside of football, like his, his personality. Because they, I watched that Colts game. I don't think he got a target in the first half, did he? Maybe one. No. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, is he like a diva? Like when in halftime, like, hey man, y'all need to give me the ball. No, no, no. no see, no, that's what not. I want to. I want to know what who he is. He's so far from that, it's the opposite. In fact, you can point back to the uh, Arizona Cardinals game last year, Sunday Night Football. It was an absolute shootout. Uh, I think Tyler Lockett had four touchdowns. He had, like, almost 200 yards. And DK might have had, like, three targets that whole game. But what does he do? He makes the play of the game. He runs down um, Buda Baker, who broke on that uh, interception, took it, 
And, you know, Buddha was like, I'm not going to get caught. He looked up at the Jumbotron and tried to pick up his knees because he, he, he was getting hawked. And uh, that just shows you, DK, he just wants to win. And um, he didn't complain. Like, when they when they panned him on the sideline, he was like, hey, man, I'm going to do whatever it takes to win. And there was no no second thought when he was chasing down uh, Buddha on that one. Man, what cornerback do you think DK Metcalf would say, all right, man, he, he's probably the best I, I face every year? Uh, I'd, I'd say only Jalen Ramsey. I really, I think that's, you know, um, yeah, he's Gilmore, who, yeah, <laughs> Stephon Gilmore, who was coming off of the, uh, the player of the year just, uh, two years ago when they had their matchup and they were pretty much, they just put him over DK. DK had a big game in a big way and, uh, and he let him know about it and it got kind of chippy because I don't think Gilmore, who I have a tremendous amount of respect for, I still think he's unbelievable, but he he just knew it, it was he was the guy he needs help with and uh, I don't Jalen I think they could match him up and and you know it just it should be a bat, clash of the titans no pun intended <laughs> Lofa Tatupu <laughs> our guest so let me ask you this Pete Carroll calls you he said you've been watching the film on these Titans how do you how do you stop this attack because they I mean they they got AJ Brown they got Julio oh, they got Tannehill they got Henry uh, and I'll, I I say that asking knowing full well they got stopped in week one but how do you stop them in week two. Well, you know, the ground game is my biggest concern. And, you know, um, you know the Colts, they, they seemingly abandoned the run against us. And I think maybe that's how stout, hopefully that's how stout we are on defense. But I don't know if that's true of the case. In that first drive, they moved the ball pretty well. They just, I think they gave up on it too soon. So I'm interested to see how this Derrick Henry and this ground game gets going. And if that's there, again, you know, it makes it so much easier. You know, Julio and um, AJ, they don't need, they don't need much help. You know, no, however long they've been in the league, they never really needed help. Either it's double coverage, but they're going to see a secondary that I don't know if it's going to stand up. You know, the way if we have to put eight in the box to take care of Henry, I don't know how well we fare out there on the outside, um, you know, at corner. So we'll see. That's my primary emphasis is you got to stop the run game or else you have no chance against the Titans. Lofa Tatupu, our guest, uh, Believe Podcast Network covering the Seattle Seahawks. Well, Lofa, in that game versus the Colts, the Seahawks looks like where they were doing like five D linemen. From did I miss yeah. see that? That kind of take us through what that was like, and did they actually do that? Because that, that was kind of interesting to see that. I had never seen that before. They did, and it was um, it's a defense they went to a little later in the season last year. It's called the stick defense, where it's uh, three down, and it's really five two. If you really, because it's right. more of a five two than it is, I think, a uh, three for true three four. But you got the Mike and the Will covered up, so. It's really hard to run against that. I think really the only the only plays that you can really have success because you're not going to get it downhill. But I think maybe off tackle, some power counter row is a, is the best way to go against that if you had to. That's what we've seen have success against it at least last year. Um, but then they moved away from it and and got into some cover two looks. They you know just a tiny bit of quarters. It was incredible. Uh, Ken Norton called it a phenomenal game last week. And I think when you have the success you're having rushing the passer and, and, you know, up front just taking the fight to the offensive line, it makes it much easier, kind of just like Shane Waldron could call what he wanted in most cases last week because of the, uh, the run game success. It was the same way for, for Kenny Newark. Well, offensively, also the things that I saw is that the Titans are going to have to be really disciplined defensively because I saw a lot of eye candy and misdirections. What would you say about that offense? Did you see some of that or, or, or you didn't? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I mean, you. I think we ran our first ever successful, uh, you know, that, that slot, uh, the fly sweep. 
<laughs> it's the first time I think it actually get, it got 11 yards with DJ, uh, DJ Eskridge. So I was like, man, that's incredible. We, we finally, uh, and when you hit on that play, now it's, you know, the ends can get a little, uh, like you're saying, eye candy or nosy looking for that sweep instead of staying down. And that's when Chris Carson can crease you coming off that backside tackle. But, um, it was, like I said, it was an incredible game plan, but even more so, I was just impressed with the execution because the starters that we mentioned did not get many reps in, uh, in uh, preseason. Well, the AFC West was undefeated in the first week, for what it's worth, and the NFC West was undefeated. If you were going to choose one team from the NFC West, because I think it's the best, that's not going to make the playoffs. Everybody can't make the playoffs. Which team yeah. is not going to make the playoffs from the NFC West? If you... You thought all of them were be contenders. I don't think the 49ers, I don't think mm. they make it. Um, you know, the Rams look good. Uh, the Niners, they look good. I don't know how, we don't know how good Detroit is yet. But I, I believe that the Colts are a formidable opponent, and I think they're going to give you guys a run for the, the league, um, for your division. Um, I'm afraid of the team you guys just played. Yeah, I said it. I'm afraid of the Cardinals, man. They look, that with the pieces they added, J.J. Watt and uh, – and then getting David Collins in the first round. Isaiah Simmons looks every bit the first rounder they wanted. Chandler Jones, the, one of the most underrated, you know, 15-sack guys a season I've ever heard of. Man, it's, uh, they got a lot of weapons over there. And then A.J. Green and, uh, and D-Hop on the offense. But I think the Niners are the team that does not make it, and I think so because, well, they just lost their starting running back, but then so injuries always play a part. But they really – when – when they show a glimpse of, like, maybe, oh, oh no, what's going to happen? Are they going to put in Trey Lance? And I think when you have two quarterbacks, you have none, right? That's the old saying. Mm-hmm. You don't have one. So I wonder how that's going to unfold, and will they ever go to Trey Lance over Garoppolo? Uh, Lofa, this has been fantastic stuff. It's been great talking to you. Uh, before we go, there's just there's a huge story out there in college football, and, you know, we're sitting down here in the South. Everybody loves college football. What in the <laughs> world – are you are your USC Trojans going to do? Uh, you know, down here, everybody's everybody's looking at the uh, Jaguars coach, saying, "Well, why don't they just call Urban and get him?" <laughs> but what do you want to happen, and what do you think will happen? Well, you know, we got uh, Mike Bone, the the athletic director that came in, uh, I believe, from Cincinnati. You know, I, yeah, I think they got the right guy there, um, and I think he'll make the right judgment. I think moving on, you know, I don't know whether that was the right call. You know, it, we. You know, been stagnant kind of for, for a while since that first season when Clay was hot. Uh, I think Clay is an incredible offensive play caller. But as a head coach, you know, it's tough when you, when you get your shot and putting together staff and everything you, you need to go right and have success. I mean, as Pete, we could, we could point to Pete, and I think it took three or four tries for him to get it right, even, even when he came to college. So um, it's not easy, but, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm proud of my alma mater. We're going to fight on We're going to figure it out. And um, we, need, we need to return to uh, that, that playoff picture, at least, in, in the next uh, with whoever we select next. And I'm, I'm going to say it right now. My choice would be Chris Richard. Played with the guy, coached with the guy. We just watched his defense uh, secondary, you know, give Green Bay fifth. So, uh, you know, if anybody's listening out there, Chris Richard, that's my choice. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good stuff. We'll put that name out there for sure. Here's the thing. College football is better when USC is great. It is. It's better when yeah. USC is great. They're one of those programs that make college football better. Yeah, I agree, brother. I agree. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. Lofa Tatupu. Hey, man, we'll do it again sometime. At Lofa Tatupu51 on Twitter. Follow him there or catch him on the Believe Podcast Network covering the Seahawks. We teased this earlier. Taylor LeWan talking after practice today. We've got the audio. What did he say about his performance? 
Well, you'll hear it straight from Lawan when we come back. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. We'll get to Taylor Lewan in just a second. Taylor Lewan's big, but he's no Big Mike. We got Big Mike online, one of the Marks Bain Real Estate Hotline. He wants to, I mean, when somebody calls from Philly, we got to hear from them first. What's going on, Big Mike? Thank you for calling. All right, what's going on, guys? What's going, going on? Us? All right, good. Yeah, I, um, I'm from the Philly area, but I live in uh, Franklin, so uh, the company moved me down here, so that's why I call in a lot. But, uh, Shane, I want to thank you again for all your uh, good play for uh, my Philadelphia Eagles uh, over the years, man. So appreciate all your work and everything. And uh, as you know, the Big Five in Philadelphia basketball is huge. And I played for St. Joe's there. We were able – I think basketball players are so different from football Mm -hmm. because we have more games. We were able to recover after a bad loss because we have another game Mm -hmm. two days later. How did you do it or how can the Titans do it by having six days in between, how can they recover? What's the main difference for a football player to recover versus basketball? Well, it's kind of, it was, you know, as a defensive back, and I, I think everybody's personality is different. That's what you must understand. Some guys can say, ah, I laid an egg and watch the film and then be done with it. What for me, I was kind of that blue collar guy. So I wanted, I wanted to stew on it to get me ignited for that next game. So everybody's personality is different. It's no different than after you lose a game and you're flying back. You know, some guys on there, oh, having great conversation, laughing, and giggling. And I'd walk by and say, hey, man, we lost by 30. What's so funny? It had nothing to do with the game. They go, oh, you're too serious, Blaine. No, man, because you should be feeling like I do sick to your stomach. But everybody's not like that. You know, so you have to, you know, once you start practicing, you start preparing for your next opponent, then you kind of forget, and then you move towards focusing on the next opponent, so your focus should all go into the next opponent. And then that way you don't forget. That's why I say you never forget. And then when you line up out there, what you are going to make sure of that, we don't come out there flat from beginning to end. Uh, so we, you're going to know you've been in for a battle. You're going to be pissed off whether you win, lose, but you're going to say we're not putting that kind of product out there. Right. So that, that's kind of how you approach it. Uh, every player's personality is so different. However, you want to get motivated to make sure that you're ready to go full cylinder at the time and point of the game and kickoff is what you need to make sure you're focused on. So uh, it's tough because the media now and the media is so much bigger even than when I played is they're always constantly reminding you of how you played the week before, whether it was an individual performance or, in this case, the team. They didn't play very, you know, they, they stunk. Uh, so it was all player-driven to me. That's why I was asking Coach Mack, like, how are you as a play caller when nothing is working because everybody's playing like crap? How are you How are you dialing up calls, especially offensively in this game when you got all these weapons? Right. So I think that's the toughest thing. So this one was all on the players to me. And you can people can criticize Bowen and, and Downing and everything else. We'll see as time goes on, but they, they couldn't do anything, really. It's best off their personality and what they're trying to be uh, as an identity of a team, and which is a physical team and, and run the football. Taylor Lewan spoke earlier today. A lot of people may be wondering what were his thoughts after the game. Well, he was on the fence line today. Uh, Jim Wyatt, as well as some other media members, caught up with him. This is, I believe, this is Wyatt's video. This is uh, Taylor Lewan talking about what went wrong. I don't know how much of a factor it was. Um, yeah, I think I put too much in the game. I got too excited. 
I uh, kind of maybe like got a little over excited before the game and when the game came I felt drained and legs felt heavy and had more anxiety. I was more worried about messing up than I was um, being better, you know, like or, hel or helping the team. And, you know, I think um, I was trying to compensate in a certain couple of ways for my knee and, you know, that's, that's, uh, I've, I've spent a long time in this, this league and have had a lot of success. And uh, through those things, like year two with Whitney Merciless having a similar game, um, it's just it's it's something that I have to overcome and work through. And I, I plan on doing those things. So, you know, it's not easy. The tough 24 hours, but you got to get over it and move on, and uh, hopefully play better next week. Uh, overhyped. Uh, yeah, lost I'm, his I'm, legs. I'm, I'm gonna say that. That just perturbed me a little bit. O only one part of that that I like, so I'm gonna just talk about that. The rest of that crap was, uh, it's, you know, excuses. He he's an eight year veteran. Now he should have talked about. I got to figure out how to play better with my knee. That's it. Right. Until I get up to speed of where I need to be. That's it. That, 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 listening to him, you know, uh, I got too hyped up. Blah, blah. This is your eight. I don't care what you did about getting too hyped up or down. You should know all that already. Uh, so to me, it's all about, hey, I have to make some adjustments to how I'm going to play. And to be honest, Chandler Jones did some things to him, really, the first play of the game. I'm, I'm going to use that example. He went out for power blocking, which he should, LaJuan. And Chandler Jones is really supposed to be outside. Mm -hmm. He ducks inside. And if he just gets enough on him to push him down the line, then that's a big play for the Titans. That guy took a huge risk because he's up there trying to play for a contract and wants, you know, tackle for losses. You know, so some of those plays were risk-driven by Chandler. And then I think it got in his head to a certain point after he gave up the first sack and he he lunged and he he rip-moved him. So, you know, it to me, players should never make an excuse about anything, it, it, to be honest. It's just I don't think people want to hear that. I, I can't I, – I don't think – during my time with the tight, I don't remember anybody ever making an excuse for a bad play. Uh, you know, all of us got beat, toasted, missed a tackle. You have to take ownership. And I think he's trying to it, but it's it's kind of a, in a sympathetic way, like you want to feel sorry for him. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I feel that way when I hear him talk. I, I, maybe he's just being contrite, but this is the time where you just, you got to, you know, don't tell the totality of the truth of what happened. Just say, Hey, I didn't play well enough. I'll learn from it, and I think that's what he's trying to say. And let's just move forward. Uh, so, and he needs to figure out how to play with his knee where he's at today. I don't know how good his knee. It could be ninety nine percent. It could be seventy five. I have no idea. But it's up to him to figure it out. Nobody, nobody's gonna feel sorry for him when he's out there. He was out there on the island. I didn't know, notice them making uh, any adjustments. They're like, hey man, you can pay those big bucks. You got to figure it out. So, hey. It's 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 tough when you're a public figure and when you get paid the big bucks, they expect big games, especially in, in big time moments from their big time players. And that that's an adage that's gone on for years. It's nothing new, and he's one of them. And they they really rely on him. I mean, he's a heck of a talent. So we must see is this something that may carry forward and that they may need to help him, depending on who they're facing. I mean, we just heard uh, Lofa on here talking about. Uh, you know, this may be the best D-line they've had since the Super Bowl. And he act like they ate deep. Like they was rotating them in. And they was getting after the coach. And we all know the coach offensive line, maybe the tackles may be a little sketchy. Right. But, they, hey, they got the best guard maybe in the NFL. 
So, yeah, we, you know, all we're going to do is let's, let's just play now. Finally, we heard from him from, you know, an outlet outside of his own. So, I guess that's cool on Thursday. But, hey, man, they just sh- show up and shut him up. <laughs> I'm, I'm, that's why I'm not real. I'm not real. I'm not real big on offensive linemen just being, I'm old school, an offensive lineman. They'd be like, what? We want to talk to the media. I don't want to be talking to no media right now, man. I'm just a ground and pound. The only time they're going to say my name if I call for holding. Right. <laughs> right. So I'm good with that. I really hold every play. They just don't call it every day. <laughs> so that, that's kind of how it is, man. So, you know, this is a new era, uh, but he's super athletic, and uh, now he needs to show that he can play up to that contract and the big dough that he has. At the end of the day, nobody wants to hear the excuses. Sorry, Charlie. Hey, we all been there. Yeah, I wasn't saying that when I, oh, he caught a touchdown on me when I had a, a broken form with a plate and six screws in my arm, and I got a big cast on there and said, oh, I couldn't run quite as fast because the cast was weighing me down. Right. Well, you know, oh, the, the Rams beat me in for a touchdown in the Super Bowl, but I had the cast on my hand. I couldn't get a jam on them. That's kind of how it sounds. Like, no, no, you're out there. Ball. Ball. So that's it. We're going to ball out in the second hour of the show. Doug Matthews said to join us. He's a baller. You know that. He's going to tell us all about what's going on with the University of Tennessee. That's a little over 20 minutes away. But when we come back, Todd Downing spoke today. And uh, uh, if you were frustrated about maybe some of the reg- the bread and butter type plays that they normally call that work, if you were frustrated they didn't work, well, so was he. He explains next. Blaine and Mickey.